0: What's up, everybody? Good day. Welcome to Theology in the Dirt. My name is Mitchell Jolly, and sir, you are Justin Owens. Awesome, Justin. It's good to see you this morning. If everybody could just see the chair dance I was doing to this particular song, you would probably never listen to Theology in the Dirt ever again. I love the music choice. That's good. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's that's classic. And any of you guys. Uh, want to send us an email at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. You're welcome to do that and tell us if you know that song. Uh, The title is pretty evident if you're paying attention, but if you know the artist, I will have a deeper respect for you. And so uh, one of my favorite artists of all time, I actually have that album. I still have the CD. I actually have a physical CD of that album. So that should put it somewhere uh, in somebody's framework of time so dating it there i'm dating it so if you want to send us an email and tell us what that song is and the artist uh i don't have anything for you but it would be great to have (laughs) some interaction if i had a t-shirt to send you i would uh maybe we could get some t-shirts made and you know you could you could send us an email and we'll send you a t-shirt but uh i'll have great respect for you and your musical choices if you can tell me who that artist is and what the title of it is. This is Theology in Dirt. Justin and I are working on trying to put into practice our theology in our homes and our city, and the public square uh, of our world. And uh, and so that's what we try to do. Uh, We are sitting here at Restoration Rome, and Theology in the Dirt is brought to you by Restoration Rome Global Impact, and we are proud of that work. And you can check out some information at restorationrome.org, and we'd love for you to do that. If you have questions about foster care adoption in Rome and Floyd County and how we work with our federal government, our state, and our city, You can send us an email also at TheologyNotDirt at gmail.com, and we're glad to help you get connected. All right, Justin, we're going to move from the introduction into overtime. Now, overtime is where we talk about things that are from the past, whether it be theological conversations we've had in our discipleship or sermon stuff where we can discuss uh, some leftover topics we didn't have time to get into. Um, I'll go first, uh, give you a second to think about think about more of yours. and uh, mine is this dichotomy, perhaps we're talking about maturity in, in the life of our church. We're talking about growing up into Christian maturity. and and, and, and really maturity and discipleship should not be distinguished discipleship should be this process of us growing up into maturity. So those one, I'm using those synonymously maturity discipleship, but sometimes I think there is why I know for a fact there is people who distinguish Christian. I'm a Christian from discipleship as though they're two separate things. So I'm a Christian. uh, I need to grow in my discipleship. And so what I want to draw from that is that's a false dichotomy being a Christian implies. I think it's all over the text. I don't think the scriptures have to say this. I think it's all over the text that being a Christian means I am now a disciple growing to maturity. So the idea that I'm a Christian and I'm somehow stuck or I'm choosing to not go further, I don't think you're going to find that idea in the scriptures. Psalm 84 talks about us going from strength to strength and each one appears before God in Zion. And in their hearts, are the highways designed? So, what I would say is, if, if you're if, if if you're listening and you're thinking I'm a Christian and 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 uh, but discipleship is not something I'm pursuing or maturity isn't on my radar, what I would say is let's let's think that differently. Being a Christian means that is your life. Um, that is where you should be going. I'm not going to go so far as to say you need to rethink your salvation. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I just think it's our worldview. We have somehow downloaded from the air. The idea that I can be a Christian and divorce that from growing
1: up in Christ. I, th- I think some of that comes from um Alex and I had this conversation the other day. I think it comes from being in a context where uh you get saved and what that means is you join the church, you get baptized, you know, you've repented and believed and confessed, mm-hmm. and so you are baptized, you join the church, and then it just stops there. Um you're quote unquote discipleship from that point on in a lot of context has been come to church, right, volunteer in you know the kids' ministry, I want nursery, something like that. Right. And that's it. That's the extent of what we expect of you. Right. Come to church and maybe occasionally invite some people to church, put some money in the plate, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense why that's the presu- presumed, assumed um, place that some people find themselves.
0: Right. Absolutely. And so I want people to rethink that. Uh, if I'm a Christian, I am instantly on a discipleship journey, and my aim is to grow up into Christ. Um, and, and what does that look like? Yes. <laughs> I, I don't I really don't believe there is one prescribed methodology in the New Testament of growing into maturity. I think it is so multifaceted to put one, two, three, four, five, seven, ten steps to it is to do it a disservice. Agreed. It is a, a lifelong pursuit of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And Jesus summarized it in Matthew six thirty three Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll take care of all these other needs. So um, seeking Jesus and his kingdom is multifaceted. And it's going to look different for everybody
1: uh, that's right. based on their background. Based that's on right. Where, when you came to Christ, how you were raised, what you've experienced. I mean, that's right. going to have different practical next steps yes based on who you are yeah who i am yeah and what I struggle with is not what you struggle with and what the Lord is having to root out of me is not what he's having to root out of you that's
0: right that's right and and even my cultural context if I am in say a a predominantly Hindu country my growth into maturity is going to look different than a person who is born into a cultural Christian context where we currently live and so what, what is happening in me is a whole different set of values being shaped by the kingdom of God versus our friends in predominantly Hindu contexts. And so their discipleship is going to look different. This is, and, oh, man, this is, here's a rabbit trail. Here's the power of the Word of God, that the Word of God is so living and active and so sharp to division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart that it can do the same thing in somebody halfway around the world in a different setting that it's doing in me here in a different setting. That's cool.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, Talking to a guy in our church, and I don't want to use names just because I don't know the security context for where he was at, but uh, we're talking through the qualifications of an elder and right. how on the one hand they're really basic, their right. character qualities, there's not much to them. But on the other hand, the ones that people here struggle with are not the ones that people in the context where he was a missionary struggle with. You know, right. over there they struggle with polygamy and faithfulness in marriage more than anything else because that's the assumed culture, right? And so it's been a really fascinating conversation with him talking about the struggles here versus the struggles there mm-hmm. in finding faithful uh, men. Wow, that's
0: that that's a uh, yeah. So there it is, a, a perfect example of how we're growing in maturity in different contexts. And so we don't want to shortchange it by saying just do these few things. It's a life of learning to hear the Lord. Now here We say it, right? We try to say hear and obey. Those two large categories um, that involve a multitude of glorious things, listening to the Lord, whatever the Holy Spirit says by his word, and trying to obey it as best we can where we are. Yeah. Right, so that's Good. my overtime. Justin, you got so anything? Think,
1: uh, mine kind of plays off of that, that the importance of community, And how, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about gifting and how we're all gifted by the Spirit uh, as we grow into Christ. So when we're uh, even just created, we have certain gifts and certain designs and ways we're wired. And um, as we come to believe and we grow in Christ and participate in life and community, uh, we're gifted in different ways. But gifting, just like growing into maturity, happens in community. It happens in relationship with other believers. It doesn't happen with me sitting on my couch. Right. as you know, part of it, like my my time in the Word, where I have a discipline of reading scripture and praying and individually like seeking the Lord, matters. it's it's essential. It's the first step. Um, I don't grow beyond that unless I have a conversation with you or with somebody else in my life that um, is also growing in Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit and can help me see even things that I can't see on my own. right. Um, so we discern our gifting living out loving God and loving neighbor in a communal setting with other people. Um, And sometimes it's also important to realize that our gifting is temporary to meet a need. And it may even be in a way that we don't quote unquote feel gifted, Mm. but that Jesus supplies what we need in each situation. And by us, I mean um, the community, right? It's not what necessarily I need to be gifted in, in each situation is what the community needs in the situation. I believe that the Lord and the Spirit provides what we need, what each what each group needs. Um, and the importance of community also shows us that when someone doesn't do their part, everybody feels that. Mm. Uh, when there's a lack of something or somebody engaging, everybody can feel that. And mm. so the importance of community in gifting and growing in maturity, we grow one another. Yeah, there's 58, 59 commands of one another's in the New Testament. And if we're... Trying to live life apart from the one another's, yeah, we're not going to be growing. Not going to be growing. We're going to be stunted, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah, stunted in our growth. That's that's good. Good language. I, I uh, Paul's uh, language at the end of Ephesians chapter four, when he says we grow by the things that every ligament and every joint supplies, meaning with the analogy of the body or the metaphor he's using of the body that every part matters, and when it does its part, the whole grows. And so those gifts, those ascension gifts of the Lord being practiced and then the Holy Spirit gifts being practiced uh, are necessary by everybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. we can't learn that on a test. We had we yeah. were even having a conversation with someone this morning. That's right. And she shared with us, you know, they, part of her work, they had them do a test. Right. Uh, but even told them, like, this is just a starting point. This is just yeah. a guide for, like, hey, go explore these things. These seem to yeah. be evident in your life based on how you answered this questionnaire. That's right. But you're not really going to know until you talk to other people. You you try to work this out, and, how, you know, what does this look like? Yeah, that's right. And uh, well, yeah.
0: Paul, Paul's language in First Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he says that the Holy Spirit passes out gifts according to his will. And so the, the implication there is, and even the tense of the grammar is that what you just said is that he situationally passes out gifts. um, And and sometimes he withdraws them because they're not needed. Uh, Not all gifts are static because life in the Holy Spirit isn't static. And so walking with the Lord by faith, the Holy Spirit, in the moment, I'm sitting across the table uh, from a brother yesterday morning. He just had a prophetic word to speak into difficult challenges and, uh, and, 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 Prophecy, prophetic speaking might not be something that shows up in him all the time. Mm-hmm. And what a precious gift. In that moment, I needed to hear a reminder of a comforting word. Mm. And so how cool is that, right? Yeah, that's but, awesome. That's the whole body working together, listening to the Lord, and we all then grow up into Christ. Yeah, it's
1: that Colossians passage, passage of the whole body growing into maturity. That's uh, right. We grow one another that's into right. maturity. and yeah. We used to say a lot uh, from the front that you're you're not gifted for yourself. Yeah. You're gifted for the body. You're gifted for others. So that's right. That's good. I think that's important that we consistently remind ourselves of. I need that reminder. And then we remind other people of that we're gifted right. for the benefit of the other. I love it.
0: I love it. Okay. So that's over time. And uh, we're going to move next to our next section, which is the main topic. And he's probably a cooler name than the main topic. Or the main event. Oh, there we go. The main event. I'm making some of this stuff up as we go. There you go. Shouldn't admit that. but
1: I think we need to pause for a break, too. Don't we need to yes. have a break mid-episode? mid, mid episode, So we need to pause real quick for a break. And we we'll come you. back for the main topic.
0: You are the man, Justin. Thank you for reminding us for the need to pause. Yeah, you guys keep listening. And we'll take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. All right, we're back. Thank you for listening to Theology in the Dirt. I want to remind you that if you want to ask us some questions and, and contribute to the content of Theology in the Dirt, don't forget to email us at theologyinthedirt@gmail.com, at gmail.com, and we'd be glad to answer your questions. In fact, what we're going to do right now is we're going to address a question sent to us from Season 3, Episode 1. And uh, this brother is a pastor in a neighboring county, and, uh, and he sent us, in fact, he came out of us and is pastoring in another county. And he sent us, us a question about our last overtime, which was dealing with Psalm chapter 5 and one of the hard theological truths that is presented there. And, uh, and so particularly his question revolved around psalms of imprecation. Uh, And here, that's a fancy word that means psalms of cursing. So an imprecation is an active calling down for hard things on other people. Um, And so he wanted to know our thoughts on that. So our main topic or main event will be psalms of imprecation. I do want to draw a distinction. What we talked about in Psalm 5 is not a psalm of imprecation. It's just a hard theological truth. So the Psalms are full of hard theological truths, and there are places where the Psalms present David or another author calling down hard things on enemies. Mm-hmm. They're there. So they're there. We need to deal with them. But the first thing I want to do, Justin, and then I'd love for you to, to start to, to give some insight there, and then we'll discuss it, is in Mark chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus speaks about David In the Psalms, speaking in the Holy Spirit, meaning David is writing Scripture. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is affirming that the Psalms are inspired Bible. They're in Scripture. So nothing we're reading in the Psalms uh, is just man-made. Its author is God. Its vehicle is David and other authors who wrote the Psalms, and they're speaking truth. So that's where we're coming from. We don't have to defend it. We just need to let the lion out of the cage. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm coming from. So, Justin, what are some of your thoughts on imprecation and hard theological truths?
1: So I think um, along the lines of what you shared with what Jesus said, um, Jesus also refers to the Old Testament frequently as the law of the prophets and the Psalms or the law of the prophets and the writings, and um, clearly understood these to be important truths that are fulfilled um, in his coming and his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and will be ultimately fulfilled in his coming back. Right. So these are not like, oh, David was in error. Right. Um, even if he's expressing something that we would say, even he might say, hey, I wasn't right at the beginning. I come to a conclusion of praising God, even if I'm on a hard place. Mm. It's a realness there. That's right. And David's not rebuked for that. That's um, right. So that's good. Yeah, uh, I that's think. Right. The specific question came in regard to, like, Psalm 5, and how do you reconcile Psalm 5 with God hates the evildoer? Right. With passages like 2 Peter 3, where it says that it's not his will that any should perish, but all should come to a knowledge of repentance. Right. And we have a hard time holding two truths in tension Hmm. that are both true, even though they seem like they should conflict. Right. Uh, Because it is true that God does not desire that any would perish apart from repenting and believing in him right that no one would die apart from having come to saving faith in him that is his desire that is his heart for his people and i think an underlying truth we have to go back to there is creation right it all starts there it's all built off of that that when god created man he created man in his image yeah man and woman he declared man and woman human beings to be very good the, kind of the crowning point of filling up his creation mm-hmm. and giving them authority and all the things we talked about last time. And mm-hmm. it's broken by the fall, It's broken by the curse of sin when they disobey God. Mm-hmm. And so we're now these image of God, declared very good, broken people living in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. And God's desire is to restore us to right relationship with him. Mm-hmm. You see that in the garden even. That he declared the curses of sin. that were going to be on the world and on humanity. And then he sends them out of the garden. But he clothes them before he sends them out. And he, he tells them he's going to make a way. That there will come a seed of the woman that will crush the head of the serpent. He's right. going to make a way to, to make this right and restore all things. Right. So it is God's heart for all people everywhere, all time, to come to know him to repent, and believe, and come to know him by faith. right? It's also a truth that that's not going to happen, that mm-hmm. all people are not going to repent and believe. Paul wrestles with this in Romans, the middle of Romans. I think it's like 7, 8, 9, 10, you know, somewhere. Yeah. Those chapters really wrestle with the story of Pharaoh in Egypt and how Pharaoh is both held accountable for his choices. He's given every opportunity to mm-hmm. listen. And yet God hardened his heart. To display his power. right, And Paul wrestles with that truth of like, what are you to say to the potter? You know, you're the clay. What can you say to the potter who made you? Why'd you make me for this purpose? Mm -hmm. But God in his patience gives them every opportunity to repent and believe. So God is both, is where we could go debate election and predestination and all those things. God both hardened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh chose to disobey God. Right. Both of those things can be true. So God wants us all to repent and believe, come to faith. God also hates evildoers. He hates our sin. I mean, Jesus died because of that. That's right. There's a sacrificial system in the Old Testament because of our sin. And this is a little hard to wrap my brain around, but the Psalms that talk about God hating evildoers, wanting to punish the wicked, wanting to punish those who oppress his people, the story of conquering the promised land. I know that bothers a lot of people. But God did those things because of the love for his people. Yeah. He loved his people. And he wanted to protect them and provide for them. He also, I think we can confidently say, wanted the other nations to repent and believe in him as well. To come to faith in him as well. But they rejected him. Right, Chose their own way. And he had revealed enough of himself in creation for them to know that they were wrong. Right. And they chose to continue running away. And I, somewhere in those uh, old Testament passages, it says that he let the sin of the Amorites fill up. He let their sin come to their full measure yeah. and then wiped them out. Yeah.
0: Genesis 15, he's making the covenant with Abraham and he tells Abraham it'll be 400 years um, because the sin of the Amorites not complete. God had, God gave him a runway of 400 years to hear the witness of the people he was sending. Right. And his love is shown in the patience. Mm-hmm. 400 years. I'm, I'm not going to live for it. If, if I make the average between both of my parents who passed on, I might have 75 years in me, mm-hmm. which, which means I've got 26 years left. That's talking about sobering. Yeah. but but I'm not gonna get 400 years. My people might not get 400 years. I'm I might not. My sons might not have. Yeah, I don't I don't know. 400 years is a, it's a loving runway.
1: Well, even I think Abraham lived to be 120 ish somewhere in that. I mean, maybe a little older for him, but a God somewhere in there says man's days is going to be 120 years. Abraham wasn't going to live to see that. Right. Joseph didn't live to see that. I mean, Jacob didn't. Live, you know, none of those people who received those promises lived to see that day. Right. Right. So, yeah, God was very patient with them. And so the, the truths I think I see in tension are that God loves everybody. God is love. John says that in his letters. Yeah. God is love. He wants all to come to faith in him. The reality is some are going to choose not to. Right, And God hates our sin. He is both just, perfectly just, and merciful. That's right. Because he provides a way, and we continue to reject the way. That's right.
0: And, and th- there is... Um I think there's a lack of emotional intelligence on our part to not be able to, and that's God, that's overly harsh. Um, and I would say, yeah, that's harsh. Let me back up and say there's some emotional growth that needs to happen in myself. Like I'm, I'm not emotionally grown up. I'm, I'm, I don't going to tell you how young I am emotionally. I'm, I'm in the weeds of learning to grow emotionally. Um, but my emotional immaturity, let me put it on myself has a hard time recognizing that love and hatred and anger are not all exclusive of one another. Mm. Um, anger, hatred, and, and hating something isn't innately sinful. I, I, think, I think there is hatred and anger, get a they get a, a bad rap um, because they are often associated with the sinful manifestation of that emotion. But God gets angry, and God hates, and God has never sinned. So therefore, it is possible to hate hmm. and be angry righteously. Paul even says, be angry and do not sin. So anger isn't innately evil. Now, here's where I, I want to go with this. I think this is super important. Um, we know emotionally anger is a secondary emotion. Hatred is is something we express because something else has happened. Mm-hmm. Um Here's the illustration, and Jennifer and I talk about this when we're processing emotions. If I were to be unfaithful to my wife, the initial shock of that would be uh, all manner, all over, the, all over the board. As that settled in, guess what's going to begin to evolve in the heart? Anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps hatred. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not at me, at least the situation and neither one of those emotions are wrong why because love was spurned mm. uh, love was abused and mistreated mm. and and it is not wrong in the abuse of love to experience anger and so now that can get off the rails when it gets into bitterness uh, vengeance Um, That belongs to the Lord, not us. Mm -hmm. But anger and hatred are not wrong. So when God gets angry and God hates, God isn't sinning. And, and, And there's a reason. And the reason is because those he loved and loves, loves present tense into the future, doesn't mean he stops loving. That love takes on a different feel. And that love is expressed in anger. And in hatred, and and, and I think the fact that love can be expressed in anger and hatred isn't present in our emotional state in a lot of times because we haven't been forced to grow up into learning that. Mm. So we've been taught suppress those negative emotions because they're wrong. Well, no, they're not all wrong. Now, there are times they are wrong. Let's recognize that. Mm. There are times I've been sinfully angry, sinfully hatred, hateful, but not all anger and hatred is sin, particularly on God's part because God never sins. He's holy. So therefore those come out of his love, love for because God is love and that love has been spurned. Mm. God expresses anger and hatred. Mm. And so it's not unloving, it is an expression of love. So I think if that's my long excursion, it would be his love is expressed in hatred and anger.
1: Mm. and that's good. that's hard to wrestle with because I mean when yeah. I read those psalms, it bothers me right. right. I mean when I first read David say, dash their children against the rocks, I'm like, oh man, that's, that's cruel. that's brutal. Like, Ooh. yeah ouch. Right. And and David's crying out because his people are threatened. Right. And he loves his people and he's their king, and he's crying out to the Lord to rescue them from their enemies. And what I think the Lord is teaching me through that is that there's a problem in me, not in the Lord. Right, right. My, it's my problem for not understanding. Right, or it's revealing something in me uh, that needs to grow. Right, in understanding. Right. Uh, it's not revealing that there's a problem with the Lord right or his ways that's right um and that's a hard place to grow it is learn. hard but it it, it yeah. we have to recognize it
0: is uncomfortable it is uncomfortable i think i think an, an important thing here that helps me is when bonhoeffer talked about the psalms i don't know bon, bonhoeffer isn't bible uh so take this with a grain of salt anybody who listens i'm not reading dietrich bonhoeffer like he's 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 not bible um and i don't agree with bonhoeffer on everything but i think his his insights on the Psalms were helpful for me, and he referred to them as being the prayers of Jesus. Mm. They're inspired scriptures. So since Jesus, God, Father, Holy Spirit, one God, three distinct persons, eternally God, but distinct, um, Mm. Holy Spirit inspired through David, these prayers, these are the prayers of the Lord Jesus. So Jesus praying when he spends all night with the Father praying, perhaps Jesus is praying these Psalms. Mm. Um, You see that in Psalm 22, I think about as clearly as you're ever going to see. When Jesus is on the cross, he's praying Psalm 22. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that perhaps is even a different podcast. And so therefore, these Psalms say something about the Lord. They're not instructions necessarily for us. No, that's so, good, that's good. Yeah. So 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 I think what I what I want to come away with here um, among maybe several things is that's not license for me to pray like that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Jesus' clear instruction is to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me, not be God and look for vengeance. And so I don't believe the imprecations nor the hard theological truths are there for me to go practice as God. Hmm. They're there to teach me something about the nature and character of God and what God will do in exercising vengeance. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So if vengeance needs to be had, God will take it. Mm-hmm. So I'm now free to love my enemy and pray for those who persecute me. Now I'm not—I I don't do that well.
1: That's a hard place to to yeah. learn to do well, and and I think that's a good good word of instruction. There is it. It's the Psalms are not an instruction for us to go and do like, that's hey, right. do this, do that, because the Psalms said to do that. That's right. But I think it's also a freedom for me to express my emotion in prayer. Yes. Um. Even if I'm not in a right place. That's right. I'm not going to get to a right place yep. if I don't express that emotion. That's right. And let God work in me to yes. teach me who He is and what He's doing here. That's right. And if I'll express that emotion, uh, God can teach me through that and free me up to a place where I can love my enemy. That's right. And if I don't express that emotion, though, I hold on to that. And I think Hebrews warns about this, referring back to Deuteronomy, where it talks about don't let a root of bitterness grow in your heart. That's right. And it says, because, and it lists all these reasons why. It's going to be destructive. That's right. And that's what happens if I don't express that. So these psalms, even when I don't understand them all, I, understand, I don't understand what they're trying to teach. Right. I do understand that it's trying to teach me to express my emotions to God, and he's okay with that. Yes. He'll teach me through that. Yes. Um, that's he's right. He's not going
0: to smack me for being like, why were you upset at that person? Yes. God never rebukes David for his prayers. Now, he's in a stream of divine inspiration. The Holy Spirit is using working with him, I hate to use that word, use, it feels negative, but the Holy Spirit is working through David to express nature and character of God um, in the situations David is living in, and so he doesn't rebuke him for that. And I, I think your, your point is huge, I, and, and this is my, some of my personal journey in dealing with my own background and uh, my own soul, is getting comfortable with our emotions, not suppressing them, living in them, feeling them, telling them to the Lord, telling them to another human mm-hmm. um, and walking through them so that I can get to a place where I can love. Because as long as those things are suppressed, I think they suppress love. Yeah, And absolutely. so David could not, David could come to the Lord and say this. And, and so, like you said, I, I think spot on is we can come to the Lord and say, Lord, I am sinfully angry. Yeah. I want to dash their teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to break out <laughs> the teeth in their mouth. And the Lord goes, I hear you. And I'm not going to rebuke you for that. However, remember yourself. Remember your sin. Mm. Um, forgive as you have been forgiven. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden with this, and I'll give you rest. Mm. And so, and 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 that, that helps me to go, Lord, I'm safe to tell you that.
1: No. I think a, a practical illustration of that is when Jesus meets with a woman at the well. This may seem a little off, but he asks her, and, he, and in his conversation, they, they talk about who she is. Right. Hey, go call your husband. Yeah. I don't have a husband. Oh, you're right. You know what? You don't. Right. You don't have a husband. You have, you've had five. Yeah. And he almost, it, it's kind of like he gives her the freedom to say, you're right, I've done all this. I'm right. in this place. I'm not in a good place. And she kind of looks at him like, what do you want from me now? Right, You say, I should go be a Jew, but I can't be a Jew because the Jews hate me. Like, you know, there's all this stuff going in, in the background there. And Jesus just gives her permission to be, to express all those things that she's feeling, mm. and then tells her why he's there. Yeah, that's right. And sets her on the right course, mm. and then lets her go and tell everybody else, come meet this man who told me everything I ever did. Mm. He, he doesn't ever rebuke her for
0: feeling that way. That's right. That's right. Isn't it interesting um, how, for some reason, We've been conditioned to suppress or ignore negative emotions. Um, God never does that. Hmm. He He is about as expressive. This is one of the reasons I struggle theologically with those who talk about the impassibility or the lack of emotion in the nature of God. I just I, that's so off the rails to me. Hmm. There's nowhere in the scriptures that God fails to express emotion mm-hmm. and the full range of all of them. He expresses in a. Perfectly holy manner. In fact, one of his characteristics is he is a jealous God. He is perfectly zealous for his glory and our delighting in that glory. Mm -hmm. He's a God of joy. He's a God who gets angry. He's a God who hates. And we were made with the capacity to have that because we're made in that Trinitarian image. Mm. And so to have the freedom to express, to feel and express negative emotions and do so in a holy manner is freeing for me. Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard to learn how it to is do it. It's painful. It, it is painful. Uh, but it's, but, and, and then I think there's a degree of being able to relate to God, and that's how God feels. So when God regretted that he had made man, we get a sense of what that's like. Now, we know that sinfully. Mm-hmm. God knew that in a perfectly holy manner yeah. and in no way impedes his sovereignty or his, his, his foreknowledge in any way. No. He felt that sorrow over, that's awful.
1: Yeah, and I think part of that is he he hates what's bad because it's bad for us. All right. Because he loves us. That's he right. He wants the best for us. That's right. And you know, just like me with my children, I'm sure any parent could identify. Yeah. When you see your kid do something that's not good for them, you experience all those emotions. You hate those things that they do that are not good for them. Like that is going to hurt you. That's right. That's not going to set you up for success in life. That's not going to right satisfy you. That's right. And I think that's how God yeah views a lot of these things, right? Like I hate this because it's bad for you. That's right. That's
0: right. So so therefore he hates. And so God's hatred of a person or people is an expression of his love because his love has been spurned, and it is holy for him to do so. And again, that's a hard theological truth because that often we've painted God in the in, in the image of ourselves, um, and so therefore, when that 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 picture doesn't match up, we struggle theologically. And I would say that's not a problem with God; that's a problem of the image we have constructed of Him. That's a good word. Uh, and and the Lord even says, and it, this this could, God man, we could talk an hour, but one of the commands is not to create an image. Well, I I think that's emotional, mental, as well as physical. You didn't see an image on the mountain, so don't make one. Mm -hmm. Well, it is very easy to break that command in our souls, to construct an image of God that doesn't exist, and we hold him up to that. Because we have a tendency to think idol on a shelf, gold, wood, whatever, silver, um, stone. But that's mental and emotional as well as physical. Yeah. And if we've created an image of God that can't hate, spurned love, maybe he's not God. Mm. Yeah, maybe we're the problem. Maybe we're the problem. That's right. Maybe we're the problem. All right, Justin, uh, I'm going to give you last word. Is there any further thought you have and, and before we finish up?
1: I just think it's okay to recognize this is hard. And yeah. It's okay to struggle with some of these things. Yep. Um. We have to approach it as if it's true. That's right. God is the truth, right? He's going to reveal the truth, and it's true about God. That's right. But it's okay that it's hard. That's right. Absolutely. And it's Good. okay that we don't understand.
0: So it's okay. Fine. We don't, That's exactly right. We don't have to fully understand. We've got an entire lifetime to grow up into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, guys, we really appreciate you listening. Thank you for your attention and time. If you'd like to send us some topics or some questions that you have, or maybe you'd like for us to go further down the road to some of the things we talked about today, don't forget to send us an email at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com, and we are absolutely glad to answer your questions. You guys have a great rest of your day. Talk to you next time. Out.